0: 2020 was one of
1: the hottest years ever, and it brought to an More end the warmest More than
2: 15,000 scientists are sounding
1: an alarm about climate change. They call it a says warning. the effect of global warming is so severe the region is actually shifting They've to a different climate. They've also found planet. they had underestimated the rate of change. Four experts their say that we have until 2030
3: to avoid catastrophe. It 2020 was the hottest year on changes record. Changes are not made and made soon, there will be
1: irreversible damage to the planet.
2: Hello and welcome to My Green Podcast, the show about accessible, sustainable living. I'm Jarvis Smith. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Joe Wood. This is the show where we look at how to live a sustainable, ethical life without drastically altering your lifestyle or blowing up your bank account, and everything from quality green products and where to get them to easy changes you can make now to make the world a healthier
1: place. Later in the show, we'll be joined by tree hugger extraordinaire Claire Dubois. CEO of the Fantastic Tree Sisters, but first let's have a look at some of the recent green news. Five years ago, two pilots, Bertrand Picard and André Boschberg completed the first round the world flight in a solar electric plane called Solar Impulse 2. Now they've shared the cockpit of a plane that's built for commercial flights and it's electric. Ah. Energic will be commercially available in late 2022. So that's only next year, which is amazing. These guys, I adore these two guys. They're both pilots and they're both just, they're incredible. That first journey that they did, it took about 505 days, I think, to completely Circumnavigate the globe in a plane powered by sunshine, oh which gosh. is just amazing. I think they averaged a speed of forty-five miles an hour or something. Ooh,
2: wow, good. what a commitment! And I now know. they've gone to a commercial uh, model. Oh my goodness! Man, I know. So, so what went
1: forty-five miles an hour? Yeah, I think it was about forty-five miles an hour, the average speed. So seventy uh, kilometers an hour in this gosh. in this solar-powered airplane They're just so committed and they're, you know, everybody kind of thought that's the end of their journey now that they've done it. But now they've just brought out this, this they've just come out and said that they've flown a, a, an electric plane that's going to be commercially available next year, which is just mind blowing. Wow. Hopefully it won't be quite so slow.
3: <laughs> so it has solar panels on the wings?
1: No, it's electric. How do they charge it up? I don't know. Well, all of look, this is still yet to be announced. I was just—it blew my mind. So I just thought we needed you know, Jesus talk about this.
2: <laughs> it's such a big topic, isn't it? Yeah, we all know about flying, and the, you know, and, and you know, the kind of the way that we we have to consider: do we go on holiday? Do we fly? I mean, we haven't flown for a good few years, so we we bought an electric car to drive to places instead. But you know, lots of big airline companies are looking at you know biofuels and things like that. And actually they're not the answer because you have to rip down the, the forest still in order to be able to grow the biofuels. Yeah. it's just like so this is this is extraordinary. It's I I hadn't even heard about this.
1: Yeah, I mean because it, aviation itself, I think it accounts is it 2.5% of global CO2 emissions. So it doesn't it doesn't really sound much, but if it were a country, it would still rank in the top 10 emitters. Wow. So and and it's also there's an equality issue, isn't there? I think people you know, it, there aren't that many people it, as a percentage globally that take these long-haul flights for holidays and that take flights for, for pleasure and for, for, you know, it's not, it's, it's a small section of society, again, that's causing trouble for the rest of the world, really. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is really just so unfair. And we've got a jet zero policy now that Boris has announced, so it's to try and um, create a net zero aviation industry within a generation, but I can't, I can't see it happening. I really can't unless they do something really drastic um, and just change the sector completely. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing that that could change it. You know, a completely. It's possible. We've seen yeah. it's possible now.
2: And we've got this kind of we've got this break, haven't we, at the moment where people aren't travelling a lot. So we're really seeing the you know the impact of people not travelling much. So surely there's an opportunity right now for them to be able to change this in this moment.
3: Yeah, there's got to be. I mean, we just as I said before, we just need to change every way. We think about what we're doing to the planet and how we travel, and just, we just need to really change.
2: Yeah. And there's
3: got there's got to be people out there that have got brilliant ideas and these ideas that have been suppressed for years as well, you know, there's and they all need to come out. Let's go back to see Tesla, what he
2: did. Yeah, exactly. Nikola Tesla you're talking about, yeah. not, the, uh, not the Elon Musk Tesla. No,
3: Nikolai Tesla.
2: Yeah, Nikolai. Sorry, my apologies. But um, yeah, I mean, this is great because I remember reading a statistic that actually most of the uh, global flights, most, I think it was like a huge majority, something like 80% were business related. Mm. so people just popping in and out of cities to have a business meeting and obviously that is ridiculous and now we've got these you know video conference calls that everybody's now become used to so big businesses are now talking about reducing travel you know, yeah. e- you know even the really big ones are the kind of Deloitte's and the pwcs and you know they're really cutting down this thing so so we are in a real opportune moment for change but you know electric planes i'm all for that i wonder um how quickly we can get on one and i tell you what it reminds me of branson being up in space (laughs) spending yeah me
3: too what is that the other one
2: yeah. well they're all at it Jeff Bezos uh, Branson Bezos yeah Elon Musk they're all all thinking about this planet's going to go to kaput so let's try and you know colonise you know space and it's just it's just really shit they've taken so much money from the earth and the resources in their businesses and now they want to take that money and build something off planet it's uh, honestly I think it's disgusting
3: instead Instead of taking that money and helping make the change on this planet for a better planet, exactly. they're, they're spending millions to go up in the air. I mean, look at Bill Gates. He is—he's bought so much land in America uh, and to grow GMO food. Oh, it's another subject completely. Oh. Instead of me ma- instead of making, putting the money into organic farming. Yeah, I no. mean, it just makes me so
1: angry. I, know, I do have. I do have one positive possibly to to just bring to the table about Go the, on Katie bring the, us back bring <laughs> us, bring us back <coughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah please <laughs> the only thing that I can think is you know every astronaut that has ever been into space has come back saying that they've seen the earth from a different perspective and they've seen something of its fragility and something of its just a complete yeah yeah they had a way they had an epiphany they had an epiphany they had a wake-up call they had you know a lot of I think a lot of yeah I mean psychologically it must do something to you so I just really hope to God that when these people do go into space and they look back at the earth they do see I think Jeff Bezos even said when he came back he did see the earth from a different perspective and it does make you think well I hope now you have seen it from a different perspective. You might be inspired to do something positive and you might be inspired to, to use your huge financial clout and your platform. Yeah. To, to, you
2: know what? It, you never know. It might be that clever. It, they might have thought it through that clever that actually, because the only people that are going to be able to, afford to go to space are, are going to be billionaires and Yeah, billionaires
1: to The big, big players who might be able players. to fix
2: stuff. So, yeah, actually. Yeah, they pod- most
3: probably saw aliens, and the aliens said, You sort out that planet now.
2: Joe, wrong, <laughs> wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> 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 So Fully Charged Live, the Festival of Electric Cars and Green Energy, will now take place September the 3rd, 4th and 5th at Farnborough International. We've actually got a My Green Pod EV supplement going out on the 3rd of September as well with the Guardian. And this is a huge issue because when when Fully Charged first started, which is run by the amazing Robert Llewellyn, there was something like it was like half a dozen electric vehicles possibly a dozen electric vehicles on the road and now there are closer to 60 or 70 different models of cars that are available uh, for the mainstream now of course the government have said yes we've got to get get into evs by 2030 but actually it was always about supply and demand the prices coming down and i think we really really get in there now so i'm a massive ev advocate um, Katie, I know you are even yeah. this classic car that you're looking at that's uh, possibly <laughs> coming into your life. We're going to try and get turned into an electric vehicle. But Joe, what about you with EVs? Because I've been I've been nagging at you for a long time to get into an EV. So where, where are you at with it? Um, yeah, I really
3: want I really need to. Get an EV but they don't do
2: I need a truck they don't do trucks ah yet. well actually there is a couple coming into the market so the fully charged show live there is two vehicles being showcased
3: can I come to the show
2: yeah we're, we're actually one of the sponsors for it so yeah, yeah absolutely so there is there is a car called a Rivian which is a um mm. they do it as a truck and uh kind of you know like a Range Rover type vehicle it is oh, absolutely really? amazing and then Tesla I've also got the Cybertruck coming out so one's a slightly more traditional look and feel. And the Tesla Cybertruck is just something you can't even make up in your head until you see it. I mean, it's a, it, it's like a triangle with wheels, basically. So if you do <laughs> go
1: to fully charged, you, there are hundreds at the centre of this um, event. There are just hundreds and hundreds of test drives available and they've got over hundreds different electric vehicles all there at this open air event so you, and you can do test drives in them and just test them out and see how oh, it to drive electric it's amazing you know what, me
3: I, I love cars i absolutely love cars i'm a, was a petrol head <laughs> but uh, i have to change to an ev head now
2: well joe come with us to the show because we're definitely going so come with us on the saturday or the sunday and uh, it's in the um, Farnborough International um, exhibition and conference center so that's I'd not a million that. miles away from you. And um, yeah, let's go and you can test drive some of those vehicles. God, I'd love to do that. That would be
1: great. All right.
3: Definitely. We're on for that.
1: Yeah, cool. it'll be, be interesting to see what you know, what um, how many people come this year and whether it attracts different people, because I think since the pandemic, hit, a lot of uh, people are more concerned, now, aren't they, about the air that we're breathing and the impact on the environment and you Definitely. know electric bike sales have gone through the roof i think you'd struggle now to find an electric bike for sale because so many people wanted to buy them when we went into lockdown um so yeah. you know i think it'll be a really interesting time it'll be a, a really you know a, a big audience i think there yeah,
2: yeah. Um, well car, electric car sales have gone up massively i was yeah. speaking to them the other day and they, they said they ordered a tesla and there's a two-year waiting list you're um, kidding no honestly um, so obviously there are ways around it. You can lease them. There are, you know, there are organizations that have already got um, if you like, stockpiles um that they've they've committed to. So you can actually get them in other ways. But the beauty of it is now you've got all the mainstream uh, car manufacturers that are all making electric cars from you know, small ones, small, you know, little VWs and citrons and you know, right up to the big, you know, the big beasts of cars like the BMWs and the and the Land Rovers. They're all doing it. Um so it's t- definitely time to start start exploring it.
3: What would be nice is be able to take the chassis of a a car like a 1930s Mercedes and make it electric. It can well be done. Though. It well can though. be done.
1: <laughs> you can yeah. You can electrify anything now, can't you?
3: Yeah, that would be great. I've got my Mercedes uh well mine's not 1930s but I've got a, ni- a 2002 Mercedes was it 5 can't remember 2005 Mercedes which uh I love my car but I'd love it if it was electric.
2: Well you can Joe. there's 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 a, there's a quite a quite a couple of conversion um, organizations out there now and and this is going to be I think it's going to be a massive one if cuz if somebody can actually work out how to transform our current petrol and diesel cars in an economical way uh, to become yeah. fully electric I reckon that's going to be a booming business. Yeah,
3: I think so too.
2: Maybe we should get yeah. into it Joe. Can you how how, yeah, how let's good get are you in the garage? That.
3: oh i thought you meant just sort of be part of
2: it you can find you can finance it and we'll we'll get under the hood
3: oh my god (laughs) let's rev that up
2: yeah let's rev it up now it's time for our regular feature let's talk about six uh, six easy steps anyone can make to lead a more sustainable life
3: and today we talk about how to travel
2: yay traveling from a to b gosh we've really covered a lot in this show already on this haven't we Bo-ba-da-boom.
3: yeah
1: covered a lot of ground
2: yeah,
3: Oh, very. Yeah, we're getting some mileage out of this. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, you know, with everybody not travelling and staying in our own countries, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, 200 years ago, everybody was travelling around England. Very few people went to Europe unless mm. they were kings or queens. Uh, um, and we all stayed put. And then... We, uh, When I was a kid, I used to just, my dad, once a year, we used to go to Devon on this sort of, woohoo, we're going to Devon for 10 days. And that was our holiday. We didn't have the flights and the, like we are, my dad saved up his money for the petrol to take us on our long trip from Essex to Devon, actually. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: what it was like for us as well. We just had one summer holiday. We went a little bit further. We went, we got the ferry over to Brittany and we spent, we camped in Brittany every summer. And that was our, that was the the only kind of international holiday that we had. Nothing like what it's like today. Yeah, we've
3: gone bonkers now. Really, we yeah. we need to re- reel it in. I absolutely think we really need to reel it in.
2: Well, there's there's, there's yeah, I mean, there's a positive about people not travelling abroad, which is which is obviously hu- huge for gas emissions and carbon emissions. But there is the second issue of um, ecosystems in the UK just being. Um, used more and you know people leaving litter behind and then you know the more plastics that are going into the ecosystems and you know that's the things that we've got to take into consideration there's going to be uh, bbc said 20 million people at least heading to the coasts the beaches of our country gosh
1: i just feel like okay those people who are going to drop litter They're going to drop litter wherever they go. So it's a bit like the plastics recycling problem, isn't it? Do we export those people? Do we export the problem to other countries where they're going to drop all their cans and their plastic cups and their litter? Or, you know, we're we're seeing what they're like in the UK, but they would be doing the same thing wherever they go. Yeah. Yeah. It's Again, it's
2: about mindfulness, isn't it? Being conscious. Uh, And I I was speaking to somebody on the car park the other day uh, where our daughter goes to school because there's a lovely river there. And she said she just walks around at the end of the day and just says, look, you know we know you normally leave your litter behind and we have to clear it all up but would you mind bagging it up and taking it with you if it fitted in the car on the way here it's going to fit on the way home and everyone was like oh yeah sure they just needed a little mm. prompt just it needed to be wow. just reminded to leave no trace and wow. he-
3: Keep Britain Tidy
2: campaign. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah,
3: remember that? God showed my age.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but oh, I think that's God. the point, isn't it? Is that, you know, when we, when we leave stuff behind or we throw it away, there is no away. It goes on the planet somewhere. So if you can get it into a recycling system or get it into a system that your local council has, has got, which is hopefully better than producing, um, you know, putting it into landfill, then that, that, that's the secret to it.
3: Yeah, and you know what? If the companies that make this plastic stuff, if only they would make stuff that just dissolved and turned into the earth. Um, And then if people drop their litter... It wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, well, we covered we that need...
2: didn't we on the last on the yeah. last show? So so, th- so yeah. those technologies are definitely coming. The problem yeah, is in did. the meantime, we've got to be responsible as individuals and families.
3: And we should demand it as well. We should demand it. People should demand that we have recyclable stuff. Yeah.
2: So the most important thing when when traveling, of course, from A to B is, you know, can you use your own body, your own legs? You know, can you walk or run? And if not, can you then jump on a bike or a scooter? And, you know, and then, you know, public transport is obvious um, that, uh, you know, if you can do that, it's a much more economical way of traveling. And I think because of the pandemic and the lockdown, so many more people are walking. They're enjoying going out and being, you know, walking around. And and so, so you know, again, we've got this opportunity, haven't we, to stick to these new systems that we've had forced upon us?
3: Yeah. Not only that you're healthier if you're getting out
2: and cycling around exactly instead of yeah.
3: jumping in a cab you know and uh, yeah much healthier
2: yeah because bike sales absolutely skyrocketed not just electric bikes but just everyday bikes they absolutely just went through the roof and so um yeah stay fit keep fit travel around on your bike and the only i guess the only issue is if you're traveling to and from work, and it's hot like it has been it's just you get a bit sweaty on a bike don't you so it's not the end of the
1: world is it i mean come on come on i think lots of water the only other thing is that you know there's been a lot of um this traveling around on bikes and by foot and skateboard and roller skates and rollerblades and all the rest of it but it's been purely for leisure really hasn't it over lockdown we haven't seen much we haven't seen people really kind of implement these kind of different ways of getting around into their daily business as usual going to work going to the shops
2: no but the government the government did commit two billion pounds didn't they to uh infrastructure for, for for cycle lanes and things like that and you know closing certain roads down in cities and this is all kind of happening behind the scenes at the moment yeah
1: so it's just going to be habit isn't it it's just changing the habit and just exploring now i think people will have got the confidence up. you don't often ride a bike in the day-to-day a lot of people don't i think but now if people have got their confidence up a bit maybe they will start i hope they'll start to Look at it as a really good, fun way to actually get to places you need to get to, as well as just as well as just for leisure.
2: Yeah, and the city bike schemes are excellent. You know, yeah. I don't know the they of the Boris bikes, but you know, <laughs> they, they, they are really good.
1: Gosh, I used to cycle around
3: London all the time. I used to love it.
2: Oh well, now
3: all I can cycle around is to my daughter down the road, and I like I like to do that.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Do you bike down there? I could just imagine you on your kind of yeah. on your mountain bike. Hey, yeah. here.
3: here I come! Oh, lovely. <laughs>
2: yeah always a pioneer joe always a pioneer
3: well it's hard for me with public transport out here because i'm so isolated there's no buses that go near me at all so really for me is to get on a bike or get in my car to get anywhere or walk country lanes yeah um yeah so you have to think of people that live in the middle of nowhere
2: yeah, they, yeah, it's
3: hard for them. Yeah,
2: no, it is. It's true. I think the thing to think about with this is, you know, it's like what's essential travel. If you've got to go to the shops and you've got to carry heavy things, or there's, you know, really important, then just use your vehicle or the, you know, the way of getting there uh, as essential only. And then when it's non-essential, then either don't do it or use a different form of transport. You know, yes. Yeah, so that simple. walk,
1: walk or bike when when you can. And if you do need to get in a car, maybe try and get in, try and go electric or use public transport when it's available when you do get to towns and cities that you know there are loads of buses and there are loads of trains so use them as well as a kind of um as a fallback but yeah first first and foremost get use your legs if you can
2: yeah and car sharing clubs they're really good we've done a few of those in our time living in the city great fun
1: Coming up next, Joe and Jarvis talk to today's very special guest, Claire Dubois.
2: Our guest today describes herself as an earth loving social entrepreneur and inspirational speaker. She's founder and CEO of Tree Sisters, a charity committed to reforestation of tropical forests. Welcome to my green podcast, Claire Dubois.
0: Thank you, Jarvis. How lovely to be here.
3: Welcome, Claire. Nice to meet you. Hi, Joe.
2: It's so nice to have you. Let, let's begin with, you know, go straight in the goals of Tree Sisters and how it operates. Tell us about it.
0: The goals of Tree Sisters, essentially, it's to uplift the feminine principle in our world, and that basically means relationship, felt relationship with nature, in the hopes that we can rebuild a reciprocal relationship. And what I mean by that is a humanity that's not just consuming our planet, but is actively and consciously giving back. And we do that through tropical reforestation. And we plant around the tropics essentially. We plant right now in uh, 11 different ecosystems in six different countries, which is more than six different countries around the planet. And so we grow you a forest. That is what we do. We, we help you wake up to, to who you can be in greater relationship with nature, and then we grow you a forest.
3: That is so lovely. I love that. I've just planted 70 trees in my field, but it's nothing like, oh, I wonderful. mean, I'm hoping it's going to be a little forest, so I'm rewilding it, And but Jarvis was telling me earlier that you used to work with Sadhguru.
0: I did, that's where it all started, so I was out in India, and I fell in love with Project Greenhands, which arose out of the ashram out there, and that was in yeah. response to the tsunami, so basically that started when, you know, thousands of people were killed in a single day, and the villagers couldn't actually get over the loss and so they were each given saplings one sapling for each person that they'd lost and the planting of them was a way for them to start putting their grief somewhere and being able to come to terms with it and they fell in love with these trees to the extent that they just wanted more and more and then they were so this was coastal restoration for storm surges essentially but this was also rehabilitation of grieving populations and what they found was that the relationship with trees, as soon as they were in relationship with trees, a much deeper healing started in terms of how their experience of being human in relationship to their environment changed and they wanted to heal their environment. So they turned their villages into green villages, forested villages. Then they started dealing with the plastic problem and the litter problem. Yes. And they transformed their lands and that's where it all started. It started with the with the inspiration to rebuild relationship between people and trees, and then see what that did in people's lives.
3: Yes, I, I know Sadguru, and I was out there, and I actually planted some trees for Project Green Hands uh, just
0: outside Kumbitul. That's right. And Jarvis yes. and I both did the same, and I have photographic evidence of Jarvis planting his tree, and then Good. I planted mine barefoot, standing in an ant's nest. Don't know whether you remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs>
2: So we've we've all got. have all
3: done wow. it. We've all planted trees with Sanguru. That's yeah. fantastic.
2: Oh my gosh, it is amazing. That's such a lovely. It's such a lovely thing to, that that unites us because we've also gone off to do the most amazing work. I mean, Claire, you are such an inspiration. I mean, to to so many people that I speak to, and you've obviously got this amazing community of you know, women that are, you know, feeling empowered and working with the divine feminine principles and, you know, all of the magic and the mystery that comes with that, that feminine way. And I just, I'm absolutely in awe of you, because the last time I bumped into you, and we've known each other a long time in in the grand scheme of things, um, I think lifetimes, to be very fair, because I feel totally spiritually connected to you. But the last time we met was at the Findhorn um, Climate Change Conference, and you talked to me about this thing that i'd never even even heard of but i just loved it embedding restoration into every transaction and you know claire you've you've you, i mean it was just like lighting a you know a, a ready to discharge <laughs> bit of material and i just ran with the concept but totally own ownership is 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 come from you so tell us a bit more about that embedding restoration into every transaction and how important is it and what does it do what does it mean what what what's what's the life force of that
0: Well, if you think about what's happened to humanity, and as much as here we find ourselves running off a climate cliff with our eyes open, and we're still running off it, why is that? That's because there's a consciousness on this planet that we've been taught to, that first of all, that we're separate from nature, and then that we can take nature for granted. When in fact, what we're doing is consuming our life support machine and then expecting us to keep going. Well, it's the act of consumption that is essentially destroying our world and we're doing it unconsciously so how about we make it conscious and how about we make that act of of consumption actually in part restorative or regenerative by embedding some form of give back to the planet so rather than everything that we spend taking from the planet everything that we spend also actively gives back because like project greenhands when you start to have the experience of being intimately linked with ecosystems that you are restoring through the choices that you make it starts to have a knock-on effect. So if we were incapable of spending money for anything without having an awareness of the good that we're doing in certain ecosystems around the world, it helps us wake up to the fact that we only want to be making choices that are restorative. And then that also impacts our own lives at home where we start looking at the impact that we're having. So I'm trying to find ways of normalizing reciprocity. That's That's the root and the heart of tree sisters it's a soul really it's like can we appreciate the living world that we are part of and start to have a transactional relationship with her which is conscious so instead of consuming in a way that we are completely oblivious to the impact that we're having we're making choices ethical choices sustainable choices regenerative choices that consciously restore our world when we're there we've we've done a lot towards like shifting the trajectory of humanity away from the edge of the cliff towards actually a culture that could be what i call a restorer species you know away from a unconscious consumer species to a conscious restorer species where we have chosen to make giving back to the planet as normal to being human as consumption currently is
2: yeah so it's like taking and giving back all in the same cycle and as you know and joe i'm not sure if you know this but you know yeah. we've we, we've embedded restoration into our into our shopping platform at My Green Pod. So yes. every single time anybody buys anything, whatever whatever it is, we always plant a tree with Tree Sisters as part of that relationship with nature. So it's like, ah, oh, I mean, what you're saying, I'd love everybody to be a restorative. Being like a restorative human being.
3: What a wonderful world it would be if we were all like that. Can you imagine? It would just be the most beautiful world.
0: Well, that's where I'm going. Are you coming? I'm I'm coming. coming. I'm 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 right (laughs) there. It's the only future that I will countenance in in my body. It's like part of me is already in that future, and now I'm playing catch up. Now it's like, okay, that's the choice that makes sense for humanity then what are the actions that we need to be doing right now in order to manifest that reality? Because otherwise we're saying, our children don't mean anything. And it's not true. Yeah, You know, we're not worth saving. Well, that's not true either.
2: No, it's so
0: true. I I mean, I I just think at the moment, it
3: feels like we've got good and evil going on. The evil is so dark. The light will always overcome the dark. I mean, it just feels like that we're at that point now that it's got to go the light way and and we, people have got to wake up and open their eyes and appreciate this planet and see how beautiful it is and what it can give us instead of last 25
0: years have been 50 years have been awful probably people will be able to say the same about every moment that we've lived on the planet that we're that we're that we're waking up and that something is sincerely wrong but what we're facing right now is a is a crisis of consciousness in terms of the consciousness that we've inherited has been a dissociated consciousness from nature. And so we find ourselves living out the behaviors that are a product of that. And so we stand at this incredible gateway of, well, are we going to wake up to our indivisibility from nature or are we going to carry on over the cliff? And so I see it as this most astonishingly potent Opportunity, a gauntlet that life has thrown down to us or that we've thrown down to ourselves, and the opportunity to live the most meaningful lives any of us have ever lived. Because right now it's like game on. It's game on for planet future or planet no future. And if it's planet future, then it's going to require each of us to actually tap into the fullness of our gifts and figure out, okay, why did I choose to incarnate now? What's inside me that I'm sitting on that actually needs to be called forth? What are What are these circumstances, as chaotic and distressing and, you know, frightening as they are, what are these the perfect recipe for calling out of me on behalf of all life so that I get to live the most meaningful life of anyone? I've, you know, that I've ever known. That's, that's what we're being offered right now. Are you yeah. going to discover what you're made of or are you going to sit there and watch it unfold and do nothing? Well, I'm not going to sit back and do nothing. I'm
3: determined. It just, I'm determined to try and change this planet to the better. And it pe- was people, change people's minds for the better.
2: Yeah. And you're doing it, Joanna. I, and I think Claire is, is, you know, she's a living embodiment of of somebody yeah. that has found what she's brilliant at and using that skill set to mitigate the climate crisis and therefore is living her purpose. Just imagine if everybody on the planet like, we're doing what they loved or what they were brilliant at, and they, and they gave that skill to mitigating the climate crisis, and then we we're all living our purpose. We'd be in a totally different world. So, Claire, you're the embodiment of that. Yeah, I agree. When you set out this initiative, this Tree Sisters movement, this, this conscious movement of women coming together to deal with the biggest crisis of humanity's time, what was your original target? I mean, what was, you know, you've now planted 15 million trees or, or maybe just shy of it. Just, just shy of it. Or
0: It's 16 now.
2: Oh, it's 16 million. Well, the last oh time I read God. you, this is about 30 seconds ago. So it's going up <laughs> literally by, by the, by the, by the 30 seconds in the millions. What was your target when you started?
0: Oh gosh. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought we would be at a hundred million trees by now because I thought I thought when people realise that trees are carbon made visible and that restoring the global forest is one of the fastest ways of stabilizing our planet whilst we figure out how to reduce our impact, um, I thought it would be easy. And it wasn't. It was just like we are wedded. We have been wedded to our consumption as a way of life. We, we, are, we have learned. It's normalized. Taking nature for granted, taking each other for granted, taking our bodies for granted, which is all the same thing. It's all the planet. Um, that's that's the way of things. And, and when you say to people, will you give to nature, t- they tend to think that you're trying to take from them, not invite them to give back to themselves, that restoring the tropical forests is in fact giving back to themselves. Because if we lose the tropical forest, we lose our temperate climate. It's not actually, it's not over there. There is no such thing as over there ecologically, because everything is hitched onto everything else. Everything is in dynamic relationship with everything else. So when the ice caps go and the tropical forests go, there is no temperate climate. Where do we think we're going to be living? Mm. So I thought this would be super easy. I thought we'd be at a hundred million trees. I thought we'd be at millions and millions of women. And it's been like, wow, okay. I had to realize that I've placed myself and I've placed the organization in two places that is very difficult for humanity to actually swallow. One being The reality that the suppression of the feminine principle on our planet has caused us to be out of relationship in such a way that we have created an economy that requires the death of nature in order to thrive. That is the reality and that that women and our leadership and our innate connection to nature and therefore the intelligence that runs through us has been suppressed. But also that that has, you know, that has rolled out into us being a species that is actively chomping through our planet, but we can't feel it. That's the that's the feminine principle down, the felt sensate relationship to reality as it is, as in my body is made of rock and river and tree, because there is no difference between this body and the planet that I'm walking on. I'm made of it. Therefore, if I poison it, I poison myself. So I thought, gosh, this will be so easy. I'll just I'll just say to people, this is the solution, let's do it. And then every time it gets worse, it's going to get easier. And it hasn't. It's got yeah. harder. So I thought I thought we'd be at a, at a million trees a month by now. And I'm planning on being there by the end of the year, by the way.
2: OK, good, good, good. Because my, <laughs> my question to you actually was going to be, well, surely you're, you're seeing a difference now. You're, surely you're seeing, you know, more people waking up and we've had the Me Too movement. We've obviously seen, you know, the climate giving us advertising every day of you know, forest fires in Australia. You would have thought,
0: actually, the change is coming with business. The the big change is coming with business. I think what's happening with individuals is that everybody is so overwhelmed, like information overwhelmed from being Mm. online because we're stuck indoors, because COVID has been everything that we know COVID has been. I think it has left people in very overwhelmed, very insecure um going through a lot of a lot of difficulty and that's not a that's yeah. not a generous place but business is starting to recognize itself as an agent of change and that's the language that i am using with businesses which is you know we cannot have uh, business driving the planet off the edge of a cliff and that's largely what business has been doing because business has been an expression of of our consciousness which says we can just take what we want and not give back and it's all about financial profit rather than the profit being on behalf of life and suddenly there's this awake, there's this actually a huge movement of awakening inside of the business sector which we're trying to fuel as an invitation to become educators inspirers and catalysts of customer bases so that everybody sees their what we call their ecosystem of effect the social impact that they can have with their customers that drives ecological restoration. That is hugely
2: exciting. Just hearing you say the words, it it puts a smile in my heart. It puts a smile on my face. It's the way, you know, it's the way it should be. It's like, how have we lost our way? I mean, every single thing that we eat, we live in, we wear, we travel in, we work on, you know, it all comes from nature. Yet we've lost this connection with the very thing that supports us. And now it seems to be that she's Having to to you know to to rebalance herself and you know we not we might not be part of that story unless we buck up our ideas pretty quickly and start giving showing her the same kind of support and respect that she's given us
0: forever. Yeah, she's given and given and given.
3: It's quite frightening, isn't it, that we have come so far away from everything? It's consumerism. Bye bye
0: bye bye bye. It's the consciousness behind consumerism, which is the the way that the general public have been manipulated away from having any actual sense of their own power and responsibility to take action, to create the world that they want. We've given our power away and this dissociated state is not the truth. And that's what gives me hope because the homecoming, the genuine homecoming is back to ourselves as part of nature. And that's not a woo woo statement anymore because that is locked into indigenous cultures all around the world. And they're holding that, they're holding that journey home for us because it's the truth. We can't not be part of nature just because we're not aware of it. So how yeah. we educate, how we educate, how we hold the door open, how we become the invitation, how we become permission, how generous we are, how, you know, life-giving we are, how, how our values point towards the world that we want to see created. All of that becomes a gateway of a different momentum that is generating a different future and that sits in all of our hands in in every moment because we're not educating about some wild concept that is beyond us we're educating us about what we actually are it's in us already it's 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 like dropping into yourself and discovering who we really are and who we really are are not a species that actively want to destroy ourselves uh, you know we're actually incredibly loving incredibly generous incredibly creative incredibly creative. But we've been blocked from understanding the scale of the issue. And COVID is kind of screeching us around this corner. And my hope is that as we come around the corner, rather than falling into a paralysis of fear, we lock arms, we realize, you know what, our species is incredibly resourceful, incredibly resourceful, incredibly loving, incredibly generous. What can we do together? How does our togetherness call forth our courage? In a creative way, where we can start thinking about what's the absolute most that I can do to give back rather than what's the least I can do to feel better about myself. How can I generate this full experience of being human and allow that fullness to be the permission for all those around me to realize this is game on? This is where it gets really interesting. This is where we get to recreate ourselves, create a new human story. I agree, absolutely. This maybe maybe the this
3: COVID year has made everybody sit back and reassess everything.
2: Well, it's given everyone an opportunity to stop and actually see cause and effect on a global scale. It's the first yeah. time ever. I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime. Did you, Claire?
0: No, not the way this has happened, and and the, and the reprioritization. You know, people actually having enough time to realize certain things about their life that were just you know we're on the conveyor belt or the hamster wheel yeah and we've had enough time off it to go you know what this doesn't work my life as it is doesn't work this relationship doesn't work this job doesn't work living like this doesn't work actually i do want to have time with my children you know questioning what we have normalized
2: yeah and seeing actually
0: this is abnormal this doesn't work for me anymore
2: no i love i love it i mean gosh you know you need to be on the on the radio of every channel you need to be on the on the yeah, news you, you know do. You, you, I mean I'm so glad that we've given you a platform because I know you you are on a lot of other platforms but you know I, I've never heard it so uh, you know so intelligently articulated but actually made so simple in such a complex you know it's a, for most people it's such a big issue that they just can't deal with it but actually everything you've said everybody can do tomorrow yeah, today, everybody yeah, can do it in next breath yeah and I love that. I mean, look, thank you for that, Claire, because you are absolutely an inspiration. But I want to yes. just for a moment, just take you away from, from Tree Sisters and outside of Tree Sisters, because I know it's your life and, you know, you, you put all your, all your time into it. But how do you live <laughs> sustainably? Like, what do you do in your own personal life, in your, in your family environment to, to be more sustainable? What, what could you offer as inspiration for others that you do that you know works?
0: Well, you know, you know, the man that I married and the man that I married who chained himself to a canyon bottom to prevent his river that he loved from being flooded. You're
2: the activist power couple, aren't you? You really are. That
0: man, yeah, that, that man who lost the river that taught him how to be a man, a human, actually a human that loves nature so much he was willing to give his life. He's incapable of wasting anything, anything. And okay. so uh, and one of the reasons I chose to marry him, apart from the fact that I love him dearly, is because I knew that in marrying Mark and being with somebody for whom convenience doesn't exist, because convenience at the expense of the planet is a desecration of the sacred. So I, I chose to be in relationship on a daily basis with someone for whom buying new things is basically not an option. So, you know, I'm living in a rented home. I'm looking around everything around me is secondhand apart from the stuff that came down through his um, family, everything, you know, every now and then I'm able to buy something for him, but it has to be, you know, sustainable. It has to be ethical, organic, uh, and, and better, you know, if it's fabric, it's got to be bamboo or hemp or anything like that. You know, mm. we grow, we have a full vegetable garden out the back. We live, you know, by the summertime we can largely eat on with everything that we grow. You know, travel is a minimum. If we if we absolutely have to fly, which I have to sometimes because my mom is in the UK and she's very sick, then we will fly. But largely, we will drive everywhere, and which is a big deal in America because it is large. Yeah, it's a here. big place. Yeah, <laughs> you get you get you grow your bottom here by the the journeys that you that you make. <laughs> um, Love that. <laughs> God, I didn't used to drive more than three hours in the UK, and it's like you know, sixteen hours later, you're still sitting there. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's about recognizing being with Marcus helped me recognize that if I go into a shop, everything in that shop came out of the earth. I didn't used to have that relationship. I used mm. to go into a shop and everything was, you know, it was there. It was just there. I didn't think, wow, look at all this packaging. That's all going to go into landfill. Look at all these bits of junk that have been put together at the lowest possible price without any thought or consideration for the communities where their stuff got mined from, et cetera, et cetera. Now, It's a painful awakening into the reality that absolutely everything I'm looking at, you know, my little town, oh, that little town didn't used to be there. It came out of the earth. Then you go to New York City, that entire city came out of the earth and everything in it and everyone in it. And it's just like, God, what did the planet look like before we created a civilization that hacked its way out of the soil and the stone and the forests? You know, where San yeah. Francisco is, is, is the, all the, the remaining redwood forests that used to be down this coast. So I, you know, we save water in every way. I mean, I can be, you know, frank about that. There is no pee that goes through our system. Ev- everybody, even our guests that come into our house, they pee in pots, it goes into our vegetable garden. I mean, it's, it's like that in our house. Really? You know, when we wash wow. Out. You, yeah. You,
2: you take it to that level
0: it's that level no no because it's because it's precious water it's precious water and actually our bees love it our bees absolutely thrive on the pea that uh, that goes onto our compost pile love that and And you're
2: in just to be clear you're in california right we're
0: in Northern northern california northern california when people come and stay with us I mean, we had a friend recently who came up from LA and she was like walking around after three days living in our home and she was like, God, it's like Little House on the Prairie here. You know, we had all (laughs) our washing, hanging up all the way through our sitting room over the wood burner. We don't use a, you know, we won't use a um, tumble dryer because there's sunshine in California. So why would you use fossil fuels when you can dry either with, you know, the wood stove or outside in the sunshine? And most people we know here don't even know what a washing line is. (laughs) you know because we're we've gone to sleep completely on the fact that oh you dry your clothes in a tumble dryer no you don't need to you know where does that power come from and for mark that power generally here it's hydro so it comes from a sacred river that has been destroyed by a dam and it's not okay on his watch so when you start to sort of join up your thinking and and really realize every choice you make has an impact that's why i want every business to realize. If you're making money, you are taking from the planet in some way, shape, or form. So how are you giving back? And we can give you a really easy way to give back because we do the hard work for you. We've created the exemplary portfolio of reforestation projects, which basically mean you know that the governance of those projects is sound. They're not corrupt. They're ethical. They're sustainable. You're, you know, you're restoring landscapes. You're restoring, restoring lives. You're sequestering carbon. You're promoting groundwater. You're creating rain and you're protecting endangered species. And that's just one simple choice away to let us help your organization become restorative, regenerative, or for every family that's here to grow you a family for us. You know, It's a no brainer that when you know that every day you're flicking a switch or you're driving a car or you're purchasing things that have taken from the planet or warmed it up, that every single one of us now is waking up to the privilege Of giving back and the privilege of being in reciprocity and not just saying no I I want to keep taking and to hell with the climate no I want to start restoring and I want to start weaving our world back together and I want to take responsibility for what I'm pumping into the atmosphere.
2: Well that's amazing. Yeah
3: that's I think that's great.
2: It is to all of our listeners you know that's Claire Dubois, Tree Sisters, you've basically just been handed all the goods all the tools on a plate so please get behind the movement get embedded in in your lives, uh, embedding restoration in every transaction that you make, and the place to do it is with Tree Sisters. Claire, it's been an absolute Mm -hmm. dream to have you on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us. We love you very much.
3: You are an inspiration, Claire.
2: Oh, right back
0: at you both. Right back at you.
2: that's our show for this week we hope you enjoyed and gained some really useful tips on living ethically if you did please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to give us a five star rating so that others wanting a greener lifestyle can find us
3: and thank you to our guest claire dubois we will put links to her website in the show's notes follow us on at
1: joe wood official and at MyGreenPod. pod for more tips and the latest ethical news, go to mygreenpod.com or email us hello at mygreenpod.com. See you next week. My Green Podcast was presented by Jarvis Smith, Katie Hill, and Joe Wood. It was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Music by the Phoenix Rose.
0: all.